Welcome to It's a Material World, the show that uncovers why material science will change the world, with your hosts, David Ye and Puneet Upadhyay. Before we get into the episode, we have a free MSC company database categorized by industry sector, location, as well as internship and full-time titles, so you can find that link in the show notes below. And without further ado, let's get started. Our sponsor today is Johnson Matthey. Are you a material scientist or engineer who wants to be part of the drive for a world that is healthy and cleaner, both for today and for future generations? By understanding the relationship between a material structure and its physical properties and chemical behavior, material scientists and engineers at Johnson Matthey develop sustainable technologies that are catalyzing the zero transition in transport, chemicals, and energy. They design porous materials for catalyst supports for emission control systems that remove harmful emissions produced by diesel and gasoline engines. They innovate new compositions for catalysts at the heart of the hydrogen fuel cells in trucks and buses. And they also develop new corrosive-resistant reactors for processes that enable the production of sustainable chemicals and fuels. To find out more, visit Matthew.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-Y.com. Johnson Matthew. Inspiring science, enhancing life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the It's a Material World podcast. I'm your host, Puneet. I got my co-host, David, alongside me. How's it going, David? Pretty good. I just got back from a week-long vacation, so I'm all relaxed, and I don't know if you can tell, but slightly more tan than when I left. <laughs> yeah, I just had a good time with my family. What about you? Anything up with you? <laughs> yeah, it's been like a month of, of traveling. So I just went to Florida, and then now I literally got back today, like a couple hours ago, and then... I have a flight tomorrow to Costa Rica for a work trip. Um, so we're, we're kind of walking the line in Costa Rica because that's where some of our catheters are made. So it'll be a early, early start. Very interesting. Yeah. My flight's at like 530. And since it's an oh, international gosh. trip, I have to leave for the airport at 2 a.m. So <laughs> maybe something interesting is why are you chosen to go on the trip? Like if I, if I would ever want to go on a work trip to Costa Rica, how would I make that happen? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a, a good question. Um, I just honestly like kept asking, I was like, Hey, if there's any opportunities to travel, like that would be really cool. But in terms of like what value I provide, well, one, I'm leading the investigation, like from the project management side and like the design assurance side. Um, so like, that was just a cool opportunity. So I get mm-hmm. to take lead um, and then kind of go with my like R&D counterpart and then also a process development counterpart. And so we're basically just walking the line, identifying room for process improvement and seeing if we can trace that to potentially find like a root cause for our investigation without going into too much detail. And so it's just like, Hey, I have a good engineering background. Um, I'm able to ask kind of fundamental questions similar to an R&D engineer, process development engineer. So yeah, or it's kind of just like a a trio to to see if we can trace back to root cause and and, Mm -hmm. uh, come up with some solutions. So I'm excited for it. Well, that's definitely cool. It's good to know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, and also if you work for a company where, where they have a plant in Costa Rica, then like it tends to work out so that you can, I think a lot of our team has, has visited there. So um, I'm super excited about it. 
But yeah, for this episode, I know a lot of students are going back to school. So we kind of wanted to gear this episode around, you know, like study tips, but also just like, how do you get a good head start on the fall semester? Because there's a lot of things happening at once, you know, like career fair every single year for me has just like come up way before like I expected it and could really prepare for it. I'm not sure if you you relate to that, but um, we're really just going to dive into some of like the most frequently asked questions regarding kind of the start of the fall semester. Yeah, no, my I think this episode will air on my first day of my last semester. So hopefully oh, yeah. uh, Preet likes <laughs> to make fun of me, but I think this is like starting like my sixth or seventh year in college. So ho- <laughs> hopefully I know what I'm doing by now. Um, <laughs> uh, hopefully I can help out and uh, yeah, I'm ready to get into it. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about uh, the job search anymore. So um, one less thing to worry about. And you're taking like two classes, maybe three. So this is like your your senior send off, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your super, super senior send off. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking one class with the professor I've done like five years of research with. So I'm going to be pretty mad at him if he fails me and I have to stay back and do another <laughs> semester. So it should be easy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If he fails you, that would be so funny. (laughs) Okay. So first question is, well, fall semesters tend to get really busy, really fast. Just kind of like we were talking about what systems can I put in place during the first couple of weeks when things are slower to make sure I don't get overwhelmed once things really start to ramp up. Um, Any preliminary thoughts there? Yeah, I think that there's two aspects. There's like, like you said, like a career fair and all that stuff and like actual class and like social stuff. So I guess I can start with like the career side is that every time like I ended my internship, so it'd be right around this time, right before school starts, uh, I would always try to update the resume before and while it was still fresh in my mind. And so some good advice that I got there was that you can actually write your Uh, bullet points before you even finish. And so you can send it to your manager and get either approval if you do have sensitive information and be like, is this okay from my NDA? But also just get, is this really the best like way to put forward everything I did this summer? And your boss, if you have a good relationship, should be able to help you out a lot with that. And so I would always go through and I would update my resume before leaving my internship and then catapult that into finishing off any rounding off things that I did during the school year with like clubs or any leadership activities. And so with that, it really helped me get ready and get one thing out of my mind while I've already like just had the experience, get it on paper, on LinkedIn, et cetera, be ready to go and not have to try to scramble to get everything together right before the start of career fair season. Yeah, for sure. I remember there was multiple career fairs where it was like, I was just scrambling to like print the resume, have a bunch of them ready, like update it exactly like you mentioned. So I totally agree with that. And then I think really that just my my tip would be get organized like as quickly as you can in terms of like the syllabus, like get them on your calendar, homework assignments, quizzes, exams, projects, like all those due dates. I mean, I use Google Calendar. People might use something different. But for me, that at least got uh, everything situated in terms of deadlines. And then adding into like career fair or like info Mm -hmm. sessions, whatever, like just having all of that organized to start out really helped because then it kind of like allowed me to really focus on, you know, 
that those first couple of weeks, you're like hanging out with friends again and really just getting back into like that social groove too. So yeah, just really get into a good habit of like setting those reminders and really just like, like having everything in your planner basically, you know? And so I, I don't know, like that, that's it from the, from the school side. And, and David, you talked about the career side. Is there anything we're missing there in terms of the first couple of weeks to get started? Yeah, no, I think the only other thing is to watch out. I know a lot of clubs and other things start having like their first meetings and like the easiest way to get involved within the first weeks. And I know that it's like super easy to miss it or just not even know about it. And so having like either watching out on like, I know a lot of schools have like Facebook groups or Slack groups or other types of social media to disperse information. It's just watch out on there to make sure that you're not missing anything that you would be interested in would be my only other piece of advice there. Yeah. And that reminded me, like, get your priorities straight when you're first beginning. Like uh, one thing is setting up informational interviews. Like that was something that I really tried to prioritize when I was like looking for that full-time job. And so that was like, Hey, can you do one to two informational interviews a week? You know? And so recognizing where your priorities at is really good because you'll quickly get caught up in realizing you have too many assignments or so many assignments that you have to do on a week to week basis. But if you can make sure to still network, right. Or like uh, apply to X amount of jobs, right. Every week, then you're kind of keeping the long-term in mind. Whereas just scrambling to finish all the assignments every week is keeping the shorter term as that, as the priority. Whereas like prioritizing the job search, for example, that really translates over the long term if you're looking for the industry, you know, or like if you're, if you want to go to grad school, then like prioritizing research, for example, like experiences tend to really matter and it's something you can talk about in your interviews and things like that. So yeah, just keep in mind what, where your priorities should be and try to like keep it that way throughout the rest of the semester. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and then that kind of translates into our next question, right? So it's like, I see a lot of people preparing for for fall career fairs, but I don't know if I should spend my time focusing on that or on getting straight A's in my classes. So it's a balance. So the question is, how should I prioritize my time in the fall between classwork and and my job search process? I kind of talked about where my priorities were. David, what what say you? I I mean, it, it depends, especially on what year you are. So how important it is for you to get the job. But I think like Puneet said is that, having quantifiable goals allows you to get a lot more done if you divide it up each week. And so instead of doing 20 interviews in the semester, doing one to two each week, it's a lot more attainable. And so hopefully you won't have to do that trade-off, but if for whatever reason there is some sort of trade-off, I think that we can get more into that. And so, like I said before, it depends on when you're graduating. And so for juniors and seniors, especially, I think that it really is more important to get that networking out there and try to get a job because at that point, one B is not going to change your GPA for better, for worse. And so, or one C or et cetera. So it really is more of how do I get my foot in the door? Um, Especially as you get older, you'll have other experiences that you can rely on. And as you have more experiences, your GPA becomes less important. So it's the balance of, do I have experience and how, where am I in my job process search that will kind of emphasize if there is some sort of trade-off because 
you're running out of time, et cetera. Uh, where should your focus lie? What about you, Puneeth? What do you think is important when we think about preparing for these fall career fairs? Yeah, and I think um, it's even important to go more granular there where it's like, are you looking for an internship versus a full-time role? Um, one thing that I didn't really realize is that if I'm looking for a full-time role, and I graduated in the spring semester, so May uh, 2021, my job search process, like interviews really didn't ramp up until January, February. And then I got like a bunch of my interviews all like within the same week in the middle of March. And then that was to set up for a start date in June, right? And so full-time roles are, are different, especially what we've seen in our MSE Academy members too, like really ramps up in the spring. So you can take that fall if you're graduating in the spring to really just continue networking, figuring out what your industry is, what your target role is, um, and really try try to refine that so that you can develop your resume and, and allow yourself to stand out. However, if you're like a junior or sophomore looking for an internship or, or freshman, you know, like then a lot of companies really do their like internship hiring process in the fall. I know GE Aviation, like they hired like everyone in the fall, right? But then maybe their full-time application process, their recruiting process, that happens in the spring. So um, that's just something to keep in mind. Do your research on the companies you're interested in and when their recruiting cycles are. I know with Gore, it's also different, right? They do one batch of recruiting in the spring and one batch of recruiting in the fall. So that's just something to keep in mind. And then if you go, if you're a freshman or sophomore, at least for freshmen like David and I, we, we did a research scholarship program. And so that really allowed us to get a lot of experience that we could then translate into like interviews and resumes um, and really talk about that to set, up, set, set ourselves up for future internships. So it always helps to get some experience under your belt um, before immediately applying for a bunch of internships, but I'm not saying it's impossible. So really that's kind of the breakdown with if you're a freshman or sophomore versus a junior or senior. Yeah, I think that you made a really good point about knowing when the company is higher. And so for example, I know Tesla is very focused on the, you only focus on the next group. So fall would be for, spring and spring would be for summer and summer would be for fall. And so it really is an emphasis of what jobs do you most want? And then also weigh that with what is your percentage of getting it? And so a lot of internships, uh, for example, I got an offer in the fall. And so then it was up to me whether I wanted to risk it and say no and wait for the spring or do whatever. So it's basically just risk relations and what do you want and how can that help everything in the future? And so for me, prioritizing skills I wanted to gain and then looking at the positions of what I could do and then relating that to what I thought my percent success was, was all like the internalizing factors and whether or not I accepted the offer or I rejected the offer or et cetera. And so there is a semi-point where you can always like go back on the offer and reject it later. But again, this isn't a great look and I don't encourage it unless something like really amazing pops up. But just know that like it, it does seem that like you're forced to do it and like you're tied to it and you don't want to break a relationship, but you're never tied fully. Uh, there is things called like blacklisting, for example, especially in the defense industry where you will just not be allowed to apply or get accepted for a role for X number of years. But if you think about it, if this other opportunity will get you where you want, 
then it doesn't matter because you don't want to work there in the first place. And so uh, everything is just basically how much risk are you willing to take and where do you think this can help you along your journey? And so I think that is something that is definitely not the easiest part, but is something important to know just in case you ever feel like you're backed in the corner. And then the second thing I would say would be for the freshmen and sophomores that uh, I do agree that getting the experience first is really important, but something that I did to get out of my comfort zone was to go to the career fair anyway and try to pitch myself. And so normally I would fail, but I did get a few interviews and that helped put me up to succeed for when I did have more experience, I could actually talk. And I, it, this wasn't my first interview process and I knew what to expect, the steps along the way, et cetera. And like basically how to answer questions the way they want to hear it. And so I thought that was very important, even if I didn't get any internships those first two years at first. Um, so I thought that was important for my own development in my freshman and sophomore year. Yeah, for sure. Like even trying to come up with an elevator pitch when you have like no relevant experience is a challenge in and of itself, but yeah. it is definitely worth it. Right. When you have like nothing to lose, like that's the best time when you can learn. So I totally agree. Just like going to career fairs, going to info sessions, just like acting as if you like really want a job, like then it becomes more comfortable and easier down the line and you have more experiences to show for it. And then from the grade standpoint, I know there's that balance obviously you have to like get your homework assignments done. I would just say generally like the rule of thumb is like, if you have a GPA of 3.2 or above, then you're good, right? Like recruiters don't really like give it a second thought. If it's less than that, maybe consider putting your major GPA if that's higher or yeah, I think at the end of the day, your GPA is just one small line on your resume and everything else is like experiences or uh, your education, leadership, research, et cetera, and your skill set. So it's like, it's one small line. So really try to devote a lot of your time to gaining that like leadership experience, research, et cetera. So that's just kind of what I wish I would have done is just focusing more and prioritizing my experiences over my grades. I fully agree. It just qualifies you for a job. It doesn't get you over the line because a lot mm-hmm. of people can have 4.0s, but whoever has a better experience will end up winning in the end. So I totally agree on that point. So next question, this is more relevant to classes. How can I optimize skills like note-taking, studying, and completing assignments such that I'm maximizing my understanding of the material and minimizing the time I spend on it? Oh, I think that's a, a great, great question because I think a lot of the time, especially like when starting out in high school, I don't know about you, but I definitely was just like allocating my time to like memorization and not like mm-hmm. truly, truly understanding the concepts. But looking back on it, obviously, like just learning the material like inherently would have helped me study more efficiently, right? Instead of trying to memorize everything and try to recognize patterns. And then it would also have been more beneficial for me in my like jobs and internships and things like that. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I'll say, just like right off the bat though, is practice exams were essential for me, like regardless of any class. I don't know if you remember, like David, you and I would study for those orgo exams. And then I think those practice 
tests really came in handy to just kind of like recognize those patterns, identify like how to take that professor's tests. And honestly, for me, it felt like that got me like 80% of the way there. And then like the, the other 20% was realizing, oh, here's where I don't really understand the material. Let me like look in the textbook, look in the notes and really try to refine it and kind of round myself out in terms of like the material that I needed to understand for that test. And so it was like a combination of just like practice exams and, and homework answers. And if we had quizzes, then like really just doing those three really set myself up and gave me that foundation to do well on the exams. Yeah, I would agree. I, so I think there's two main ways I've heard of. So I'll first start with the way I do it. And so <laughs> I think everything that Pretty said is really important. And I would just reemphasize, I think writing down a second time, potentially if it really is trying to understand it, and sometimes memorization does help, writing it down a second time helps a lot. But the way that I prepare for tests, especially when we didn't have practice tests, or there was a harder, more conceptual class was, I would try to be the teacher. I would try to be like, what would I ask a question on? Like, what are the most important things that he talked about or the most important topics? What is the most problemly type thing that I can create from this? And then I would then ask my friends that question to be like, oh, how do you think you solve this? And I would try to work it out before time and then try to work through it with them. And I think that I learn best when like I'm trying to help other people and then teaching other people is the true mastering of the subject because if you can explain it to another person then you fully understand the topic and so that's how I think that I personally like get the most understanding from and I think that helps a lot the second one is completely opposite I have a very good friend who is brilliant but his entire philosophy is why would I write anything down it doesn't let myself free up to understand and absorb everything the teacher is saying. And so he would take out a loose leaf sheet of paper right on one side of it for every class and he would still do really well. And so it really comes down to understanding how you learn. And so it just showed that we were different and we were in the same class and we would take on the studying two completely different ways, but we would end up getting the same grade. And so <laughs> it doesn't matter basically how you study as long as you understand the assignment basically, and you understand how it works. And so it really is, don't be peer pressure to study like me or like Puneeth. It's study how you want to study, how you understand it best. But beyond that, uh, do you have any more tips other than this? <laughs> don't do anything and just listen to the teacher? Uh. I, I had never heard of that. I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> um, and it makes sense for him. But yeah, I think that's a good point, right? Like everybody studies a different way. And so we're just offering kind of what worked for us. You know, some people like read the textbook like through and through. And honestly, like my study strategies would also differ like depending on the class right like if it was mm -hmm. like rote memorization then you and I both would like write down all of the notes like by hand and that would be like dozens of pages of notes but that would just help us memorize it right and that's what we needed for that test but then if it was more conceptual then you know I had firsthand experience with your questions right but they were actually like beneficial right where you and I would walk through like how to go go through a problem or how to think through a problem if it came up, you know? Mm -hmm. And so just helps with really getting that full understanding of the test. Yeah. I would just say it's definitely helpful to stay with another person. I remember Puneeth calling me at like 11 PM at night and being like, <laughs> you texted this in our group, but I have no idea what that means. And then like, we just like talked about it and then it ended up being on the test. So yeah. it was super valuable. And our friend 
who was more relaxed about studying, didn't want to join our call. And then he's like, yeah, I had no idea how to do that. So oh, yeah, um, <laughs> I remember that. That was functional materials, right? Yeah, it was functional materials. So it was, it's just knowing how you study and then knowing other people who like to study with you and also in contrast to you because you'll approach problems different ways and uh, allow yourself to get a deeper understanding through the differing approach basically yeah and i would say don't have an ego when you're studying either like i wasn't afraid to text david and be like hey i didn't understand like that question like can you explain that to me and walk me through it because i didn't understand it even when we talked about it during our lectures right and so when it really finally clicked in my head i was like okay any version any variation of this problem I'm confident I can, I can solve. And so that's exactly what came up when the test was like a variation, right? But since I understood the conceptual stuff behind it, we both did well on that exam, right? Um, and so that's just one thing I'd say, like I tend to like at different points leading up to the test, sometimes I prefer to study alone. Sometimes I prefer to study with like one or two people. Some people prefer bigger groups, but figure out what works best for you and for me, when I studied alone, I wrote down like what I didn't understand. And that's when I would go to like my peers in the class and really try to like figure it out with them, you know? So it's just like, you can have the best of both worlds there. Yeah. I definitely know what you mean is that, especially when you first start off, like I would like to study beforehand or else I would feel stupid because I didn't know anything. So uh, I agreed a very malleable approach to how you study for each class and each part of the studying process. Yeah, for sure. And plan it out, honestly. Like, I guess I planned it out more so where it was like, there's hell weeks where there's like three exams, right? And so just to be able to be like, okay, for this block of time, I'm studying ceramics. In this block of time, I'm studying thermodynamics, you know? So just being able to really block it out because inherently you're going to have semesters where you have a bunch of tests and homework assignments all at once. Um, so it really just comes down to planning and, and being confident in your skill set. Um, make sure to take care of yourself, eat healthily and sleep like eight hours every day because it doesn't really, really help out if you if you get very minimal sleep right before the test. Next question revolves around student organizations. So a lot of student orgs are looking for members in the fall semester. That's when we get, I know from firsthand experience, that's, a, that's the big recruitment timeline. So the question is, how do I know which ones to choose? And should I consider joining more than one? So what are your first thoughts? I jumped around a bunch, but I did find myself as I started in the first year, I joined like three or four. And then towards the end of it, I found myself only like heavily involved in like one, <laughs> maybe two. And so I found that it's kind of what you want to be. And so like, especially in my first couple of years, like I want to make friends. I want to like explore more stuff. And so I was more likely just to like be like a member of a group. And then as it developed, like, oh, like I don't really care about that. I have friends like it, that has served its purpose. But now if you're doing it for fun, uh, just being more involved allows you to like make more decisions that you think will improve but if it's more professional, then you get to have more leadership. And I would just suggest getting more involved in a couple that you like than spreading yourself thin over a bunch where you're just like a member. But again, it's depending on what you want out of it. And so that's just my journey. But I think that's a very common journey for a lot of people throughout college. 
Yeah, for sure. And I would say don't even like limit yourself to joining MSC specific orgs. Like those are great to join because the MSC community at any school is usually really tight knit, but also like explore other interests, right? Like we have a friend that basically revitalized like the skydiving club because he was super interested in that, you know, and so that's experience in and of itself. That's not necessarily related to MSC, but it's a talking point. Right. And so I would really encourage everyone to branch out, try new orgs at the start, see what sticks. And just like David mentioned, like if you try to stick through everything, then you're really going to spread yourself out too thin. Um, So just figure out what you really enjoy, where there's opportunities to really grow, like enjoy your time, right? College is about like enjoying your experiences um, at the end of the day. So yeah, I would say just like, figure out where there's opportunities to get involved in leadership, but that's something that you can wait until your sophomore or junior or senior year. And then, yeah, there's, there's other opportunities too, like being a TA for an MSE lab. Uh, that, that also is a, a good opportunity. I think it's more frequent for like grad students, but I have seen a bunch of undergrads have those TA opportunities where they get to like help lead some labs from the MSC side, or they get to grade papers and things like that. And that's a good opportunity as well that you can kind of talk about in a interview or, you know, that also like can kind of tell you if an academic career might be more your speed versus industry, you know? So really it's just trying new things and talking to people. So you don't have to try everything. Mm -hmm. No, I think that's pretty much it from my point of view. And I think, I would never feel bad if for whatever reason I had to stop. And so, for example, when my club just disintegrated, it just stopped going and <laughs> the exec board all graduated and then it just was over. And it's like, if I really cared that much, I would like try to step up and help lead. But it really wasn't that important to me and I didn't really feel bad letting it die. And so I think it's just you're not forced into anything that you don't really want. And you should never feel bad about just being like, nope, this isn't for me. Like, good luck. And just leaving. So. That's all I got. Yeah. And to, to wrap that thought with a bow, it's also fine to like not be involved in like any student orgs, right? Like I know we harp on it because it's good for leadership experiences, but college is like just this conglomeration of things that you're doing and classes in and of itself, like alone can be super overwhelming, you know? And so if you need to take a pause on student organizations altogether, for to prioritize your mental health, like that is totally cool. You know, if you need to pause on a lot of things, that's awesome. Gap semester, go for it. You know, like everybody's journey is different. So don't try to compare yourself to what other people are doing because you'll get to where you need to be and it'll just take however long, right? But just be reflective of how you're feeling. If you're feeling overwhelmed, what can you maybe let by the wayside for, for the moment or for, for the temporary time being? But yeah, uh, I think that goes well into the the next question where, you know, it can be hard to remember all of the content in every single class, right? Especially if you're taking like five or six courses um, and the topics aren't overlapping. So David, we I want to hear your thoughts. How do you maybe avoid getting overwhelmed like we, like we were just talking about with potentially having too much material that you're studying and as a result, maybe not performing as well as you'd hoped. I think that Puneeth knows this, but one of my greatest mistakes was not coming with more EP credit. So 
I was routinely taking a lot of classes each semester to just keep up with everybody else. And so I think that it's really hard sometimes, but my strategies were, you know what classes you need to take to graduate. And so how can you plan it out? And so a lot of it is just, how do you create a baseline difficulty level and how do you make sure that none of your semesters really stick out as too difficult? And so understanding your classwork, a lot of classes only are accepted in the fall or spring, for example, and planning it all out is very important. But sometimes it just works out where you have a lot of hard classes that don't overlap. And for that, it's a really tough question, but it just means like what we've talked about throughout the episode is just taking a step back from other things and devoting more time to that those which are important, which is class. And so, for example, I've done research for almost my entire time at school, but my participation has wavered due to the classwork. And so what that means is that some semesters I would do more, some I would do less, but it doesn't mean you have to give up completely. And so usually it's like very flexible. And so just working on that malleability in your schedule to shape everything so that it's the same difficulty level was like my overall goal. And so taking a step back, just not being as participatory as I normally would is basically how I combated it. But then I've just come back the next semester more driven if that's really what I wanted to get back into. That's like really how I would go around like if I had a lot of hard classes in one semester. Yeah. And I would say just like as early as you can, just have a general outline of the classes you're taking every semester up until you graduate and then have like a peer that's a year or two above you review it to see if there's any classes. Like for us, the big thing has been like, don't take thermo and transport in the same semester, right? And maybe that's just specific to Georgia Tech, but those are known to be two of like the, the tougher classes. And in the recommendation that is handed out to every single freshman student, those two are in the same semester, right? But then you'll hear from like the fourth years, like the seniors, like, just don't take those in the same semester and, and you'll be good. You know, so it's just like having that input from people that have been in your shoes, like that goes a long way. And then, yeah, I know AP credits, like at this point, that's probably out of your control, right? And so it always goes a long way if you can take those and transfer them. One thing that I wish I would have done is looked into those classes at, at the beginning of my freshman year, or not classes, but those placement exams where I could have taken like the chem 1212 exam and potentially like placed out of that and gotten credit for that if I passed and realizing it, like looking back on it now, like chemistry in high school, I felt like really confident in, I was really good at it. And that translated to chem 1212 for us. That's the second chemistry class to the point where like 70, 80% of them, that material in that class I had already known and was comfortable with. So I probably could have like placed out of that and then like accelerated my timeline even more. So that's just something to look into. It's like placement exams, even if you don't get like the four or the five that you need on the AP, um, that's an option too. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I think that's just like when there's opportunities to take more classes, consider not doing that, you know, like you're really not in a rush um, in the grand scheme of things. So if you can have four classes instead of five and then devote that extra three credit hours to research or club time, right? Like being involved in a leadership role, like that in and of itself is, is 
an investment of your time. So yeah, I think that kind of answers that question in terms of just like not getting overwhelmed by too much material. Again, I would just say like attend office hours, try to develop relationships with professors um, and and students as well, Mm -hmm. you know, creating the group me or the discord, whatever, and just having that support system goes a long way. And then not being afraid to ask those questions, then you can kind of like, I've never like heard a question where I've been like, that was a dumb question in like all of my five years at Georgia Tech. You know, if I knew the answer was like, there's no guarantees that everybody knew the answer. So more often than not, the question you're wondering is something that a lot of other people are, are wondering as well. So don't hesitate to ask. Yeah, I would say, especially for like extremely difficult classes. Somehow I was convinced by a friend to take a master's level ISYE class, which <laughs> I probably wasn't that prepared for, but I took it anyway. But it really was, they had Monday, Wednesday, Friday for the main teacher, and then Tuesday, Thursday for the TA. And I would just go like two or three times a week to either one. And it was really just, they would help me work through these problems that I really like didn't really know how to approach because they would refer to these previous undergraduate classes, which I didn't take because I wasn't <laughs> an undergraduate in ISYE. But really, I never thought that they thought I was stupid or anything like that. And they helped me a lot. And in the end, like, it worked out fine. And it was like a good course. And I learned a lot, but um, I never felt like I was stupid for asking these questions. It's just, this isn't what I was classically taught in. And so it was just a learning curve for me to catch up to where I could even like start to tackle what was being discussed in class. So that, that would be it. Just never be afraid to go ask for help. Cool. So um, maybe to really conclude this episode, is there any other general advice for students who are kind of entering the fall semester at any point um, to try to make it as successful or as easy as possible to to ease that transition from the summer? Um, That's a great question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's something that I tried to do maybe poorly, but try to get into my daily routine, especially when things are easier in the very beginning. It's very easy to just slack off, but starting like, oh, like I have a two hour break between this class and that class. I'm just going to do homework, like starting that and just at least going to like the library or like a study session, like a study area rather. And just like maybe just play games on your phone or something, but like going there every day mm-hmm. like gets you in the habit and just makes it easier for one. It actually does get hard. Like, oh, I'm like used to going to the library every day. This isn't anything new for me. But other than that, just establish a daily routine. Uh, I know that sometimes I had a class, like no class on one day and that day would just kind of be wasted. And so, wow, that was like, it was fun. (laughs) It's, it's again, just what you need out of it. And so if you need it to be a productive day, just focus on making sure that you get up and you do what you need to do. But if it's just chill, like I still want to have fun. So yeah, hang out with roommates, play video games, stuff like that. Just take it easy. That'd be like, the one thing that I would focus on the most every year is just figure out what my daily routine is for the next semester. Yeah. And that's, it's honestly tougher than it is when you're, when you're working because your days are so different, you know, like Tuesday and Thursday could be very class heavy, whereas Monday, Wednesday, Friday could be more like research focused, you know, so your days are very different. Whereas like in my role right now, it's very like consistent, you know, but like by 5 p.m., I'm wrapping up with my day and I can focus on something else. One thing that I wish I would have done 
in college that I do now is I create created this uh, deep work like scorecard or like a scoreboard, right? Where it's just a, a whiteboard calendar. And then I like tally up how many hours of deep work that I conducted on that given day. And so that's just measuring my progress. And what that means is like deep work is like uninterrupted, very focused time where you're like away from your phone, like your phone is out of sight and you have like one goal in mind. It could be just one small task or it could be like study an hour for this, you know, or just like finish this practice exam and you're focusing all your attention on like solving that problem, solve, like completing that homework assignment, you know? And so that's something that I do now, you know, with like this podcast or, or at work as well. And it's been a game changer for me because in college, right? Like I would be studying all day. Like David, you and I, we, we had those days where we'd be like studying for, for like a thermo exam. Right. But like some of that was honestly like not fully focused, right. Where it was just like, I would have like a YouTube video playing in the background, you know, or I would be like scrolling through something. Then I would write something down and like your brain can't really multitask in that way. So it wasn't purely efficient, but it was taking up the majority of my day. Right. Whereas like now I can kind of block that into like an hour and a half, right. Where I can accomplish more in that hour and a half, that 90 minutes than I previously could accomplish in maybe like five times the time. So it is more efficient and that opens up and you still have to take breaks and that it facilitates that, but um, it opens up more time to like rest, you know, hang out with friends and things like that. So it's a double win. Um, so that's just something I would encourage everybody to at least try out. There's a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport um, that really goes into the why behind all of that. And I found that very insightful. So that'd be my last piece of advice for, for this episode. But if you liked it, if you found some of it insightful, you know, let us know by leaving a comment on our YouTube channel or on our most recent LinkedIn post. But yeah, hope you have a great day. As a materials engineer, we can make an impact in nearly every single industry. But with that versatility comes a lot of options to choose from. So if you have no idea which position or industry is right for you, you're not alone. I've been there, done that. But just for a moment, imagine narrowing down your ideal role and company within the week. Imagine being able to secure your dream offer without having to apply to hundreds of job openings. Our online course, MSE Academy, includes video testimonials, resumes, interview prep, and mentorship from materials engineers who have been in your shoes. We also connect our members with companies and industry professionals in our expansive network to help accelerate your job search process as much as possible. To learn more and get started, simply click the link in the show notes below. And if you enroll within the next 24 hours, we'll add three bonus career-related resources. I hope to see you there.